As we continue worshiping together today, I invite you to receive these words from Paul's first letter to the Corinthians, taken from the 12th chapter, beginning in the 12th verse. For just as the body is one and has many members, and all the members of the body, though many, are one body, so it is with Christ. For in the one spirit, we were all baptized into one body, Jews or Greeks, slaves or free, and we were all made to drink of one spirit. Indeed, the body does not consist of one member, but of many. If the foot would say, because I am not a hand, I do not belong to the body, that would not make it any less a part of the body. And if the ear would say, because I am not an eye, I do not belong to the body, that would not make it any less a part of the body. If the whole body were an eye, where would the hearing be? If the whole body were hearing, where would the sense of smell be? But as it is, God arranged the members of the body, each one of them, as he chose. If all were a single member, where would the body be? As it is, there are many members, yet one body. The eye cannot say to the hand, I have no need of you, nor again the head to the feet, I have no need of you. On the contrary, the members of the body that seem to be weaker are indispensable, and those members of the body that we think less honorable, we clothe with greater honor, and our less respectable members are treated with greater respect, whereas our more respectable members do not need this. But God has so arranged the body, giving the greater honor to the inferior member, that there may be no dissension within the body, but the members may have the same care for one another. If one member suffers, all suffer together with it. If one member is honored, all rejoice together with it. Now, you are the body of Christ, and individually members of it. And God has appointed in the church first apostles, second prophets, third teachers, then deeds of power, then gifts of healing, forms of assistance, forms of leadership, various kinds of tongues. Are all apostles? Are all prophets? Are all teachers? Do all work miracles? Do all possess gifts of healing? Do all speak in tongues? Do all interpret? But strive for the greater gifts. Now, please rise as you are able and receive these words from the Gospel according to Luke, <coughs> taken from the fourth chapter, beginning in the 14th verse. Then Jesus, filled with the power of the Spirit, returned to Galilee, and a report about him spread through all the surrounding country. He began to teach in their synagogues and was praised by everyone. When he came to Nazareth, where he'd been brought up, he went to the synagogue on the Sabbath day, as was his custom. He stood up to read, and the scroll of the prophet Isaiah was given to him. He unrolled the scroll and found the place where it was written, The Spirit of the Lord is upon me, because he has anointed me to bring good news to the poor. He has sent me to proclaim release to the captives, and recovery of sight to the blind, to let the oppressed go free, to proclaim the year of the Lord's favor. And he rolled up the scroll, gave it back to the attendant, and sat down. The eyes of all the synagogue were fixed on him. Then he began to say to them, Today, this scripture has been fulfilled in your hearing. Receive what the Spirit is saying. Thanks be to God. You may be seated. I'm Pastor Ben, by the way. Hi. Director of Social Justice Ministries. Glad to be able to share with you today. Patty. 
and a laundry list or the words jumping into my mind as I'm reading the context of our scripture today from Corinthians. Our passage is taking aim at being a remedy, uh, trying to answer for a host of issues that Paul outlines in earlier chapters. While not outlined in our verses in detail, there is plenty to point to the tensions that are present. We can understand it to be a community with people of many backgrounds, Jews and Greeks, various social status, slaves or free. We know Corinth is a trading post, so it's not surprising to have a diversity of people present in the community. But the diversity of the community isn't the challenge, of course. Rather, within the community, there have emerged synthetic hierarchies, placing some members and or some gifts above others. And this seems to have led to unequal treatment of some of the members, detrimental disagreements, and an inability to care for one another. And Paul is rather prescriptive in Corinthians as he addresses specific issues in the preceding chapters. Call it a mixed bag of descriptions of love and metaphors and misogyny and other things, but here he takes a change of course. Our section becomes metaphorical as Paul builds out the image of the body. And the metaphor leads us through a reminder that there are many ways that the body functions and members shouldn't be seen as dispensable or of less value. The various functions of the parts of the variety and the variety of ways that the body can encounter the world are all important. The metaphor even goes far enough, I think, to show that elevating certain members over others is detrimental to the point of causing some to doubt their own worth or sense of belonging. Because I'm not a hand, I do not belong to the body. No, Paul reminds us that the body is intentionally diverse and numerous in function and ways of being. He pushes back most against the ideas that separate or ideas that say one part of the body has no need for the other. And we're reminded the equality of the members and their connection, a connection that is meant to be so strong that when one suffers, all suffer together, and that when one is honored, all rejoice together. Finally, Paul brings us back to the spiritual gifts present in the community, reminding the members that likewise every gift is needed and valued that all of those gifts are meant to be employed to love and care for one another. I think I've been most struck this week with the suffering of the body. It seems there's no shortage of pain or perhaps frustration, and it can be felt on what seems every single level, our political and global headlines our viral case numbers, additional deaths close to foundry and further afield. Maybe it's just the weather? No? 
definitely not just the weather. It's been enough to put more than a drag on my mood in the past weeks. Imagine my surprise to find from multiple news uh, articles that people in households with small children have hit rock bottom. I was a little dismayed. It's not quite the term I would choose, but no, the situation is not great there. I was also shocked to find out that I'm an old. And I know, it was shocking to me as well, but (laughs) Courtney and I sat to watch a show called Only Murders in the Building, and it has an intentionally intergenerational cast And I realized around the second episode that I was watching because of Martin Short and Steve Martin. And that I wasn't 100% clear on who Selena Gomez was or what exactly she had been doing to get that famous. And I was like, oh, wait a minute, hold on. I just found something out about myself. There's a little trouble believing that it's good news that other people are feeling down too, but as the passage says, all suffer together. So good job us, I guess. Certainly empathy and sympathy are not bad qualities to maintain in the face of cynicism, partisanship, or violent competition. It's a gift to have a place where you can suffer together and celebrate Together, And it is a gift that within the community, as we remain connected, there can be reason to do both at the same time. And it's not that we all sit around having the same emotions at the same time, but that we bear with one another as we move through them. And that God bears with us as well. Of course, it's a great deal more than just riding the various waves of emotion together. The gift of the community and the gifts within the community mean that we can not only care for one another, but also share the work of mercy and justice. I get nervous looking at the type of list that we see related to gifts. I don't necessarily see myself in that list when Paul says gifts of healing, gifts of power, forms of assistance, tongues of various kinds. But I'll take some comfort from the qualifiers, forms of leaving the specifics a little more open for the types of things that we might do empowered by God's grace. The specific acts that we might offer as Christ's body, the church, and members within can be varied, but they are all important. And we shouldn't sleep on the regularly visible gifts that are offered in this community. That is, in fact, one of the encouragements from Paul here. Each Sunday, we have people who are offering themselves as a gift to the community by serving as ushers and greeters. Each week, we have people offering themselves through the choir and by playing instruments so that the whole of the body might worship more fully every Weak people are offering themselves to be available for prayer. Groups like our care team offer themselves to check on other members of the community in times of loss or sickness or in moments of joy. And the root of all of these things taking place are the same as every other gift. 
someone freely offers of themselves to be present in service to the community. It does not happen otherwise. And through those acts, the community is built up. Needs are met. Pain is shared. Healing can take place. Joys can be celebrated. Feelings of isolation can be diminished. Much of the work that we do involves that first act of showing up and putting ourselves into places where needs exist. For the last few years, we've been working with public housing residents downtown through our involvement with the Washington Interfaith Network. Foundry and Metropolitan AME Church anchored ourselves at a residence called Judiciary House, located just east of Chinatown, really close to Judiciary Square. It is a public housing residence for seniors and people with disabilities. Other congregations anchored themselves in other public housing complexes. As the Housing Authority and the city have sought over the years to renovate or redevelop subsidized or public housing, residents have often received conflicting information, unclear timelines, and far from ideal results. Those of you who have been journeying in these past months in the reading groups going through Chocolate City might be familiar with the story of Temple Courts, also called Northwest One. Briefly, badly in need of repair and upgrade, it began in 2008 as part of the New Communities Initiative after many complaints from residents under the administration of Mayor Anthony Williams. It promised one-for-one one replacement of affordable units, the opportunity for residents to return or stay in the community during redevelopment, mixed-income housing, and a build-first approach, which meant the development of new housing or replacement of the units would begin before the demolition of the existing units. However, as Chocolate City puts it, the next mayoral administration under Adrian Fenty did not prioritize the new community's initiative. While housing vouchers were offered, in fact, they were basically said, take this and go, meaning residents could move elsewhere, the commitments of Build First and the opportunity to stay in the community were not met. Demolition moved forward in 2008, moving residents out, many waiting the chance to return. But it was not until November of 2020 that construction of the replacement units through a multiple-phase construction even began and it is still ongoing today. Over these course of this 12 years, now 14 years, groups like WEN continue to work with the residents to keep up the fight as they continue to wait to return to their community. Now that pattern leading to displacement has repeated itself again and again over the years. So to say that there is low trust between the residents at a place like Judiciary House and the Housing Authority and the city 
would be putting it mildly. As residents bring their concerns to their pastors, many of whom are WEN members and congregations, we ask if they want support as they work for their community. And in this case, residents were concerned at Judiciary House because of an impending rental assistance demonstration conversion, RAD conversion, of the building and renovations that would take place. And they were worried that it would see them displaced from their homes as well. When they do a conversion like that, it no longer is public housing, but more of a public-private partnership type situation, and people are often moved out from uninhabitable units before they can ever be repaired. Then they're put back on the market at much higher rates for different people. This type of work, to stand with somebody, always begins with showing up and offering ourselves through listening. It's a way to reconnect the body and give particular attention to the places in pain. And as we've worked over the years to build trust, I was reminded this week that transformation can take place when we do things as simple as being present with one another. I remember at our initial meetings, a resident leader at Judiciary House, they were attempting to walk a very fine line between the justified anger of the other residents and their neighbors and trying to say that the management, the DCHA boards, were doing a good job. They're trying here and there. They were nervous and not without reason as other resident leaders had been retaliated against for similar organizing and we had seen it in other buildings. The big worry, the renovation concern, at that first meeting was hanging in the air, but it's always good to begin with something smaller. And we listened as residents. Members of the body spoke through their concerns. One resident who uses a wheelchair reminded all of us and his neighbors that ongoing issues of cleanliness in the building meant that anything on the floor or in the elevators, including bodily fluids, would end up on his wheels and therefore his hands. And neighbors spoke about non-working appliances and failing insulation around windows and leaks and persistent security issues that had languished for years in a building meant for seniors and disabled residents. And of course, these problems were not unknown. Deferred maintenance and not enough investment, investment is the big reason these types of buildings conversions become necessary. All the same, the body suffers as the pain goes unaddressed. As these things were expressed aloud, that's when I would see that resident leader start walking the thin line and trying to sort of tamp down some of the energy. But over the years since 2019, the relationships built within the body become stronger. And confidence was built as residents supported by and connected were able to secure fixes for things like leaks and insulation and non-working appliances 
even in the pre-renovated units. And it's key to remember that there are actually some guidelines that say if something in our public housing is set to be fixed within nine months, just leave it. Don't bother. But we fought with them. We won this. They got what was needed for the residents that are there now and who want to stay there, not having to wait another few years to get small fixes. And thus far, in the conversion renovation process, no one has been displaced. And not perfect. I can think of two leaks specifically in the community room that I have watched have the ceiling tile changed. Come back a month later, the leak is back, have the ceiling tile changed. Like, it's not perfect. And it's not been fast, but it's not a bad little miracle. It's not a bad little action of power, given the way that things have tended to go for neighbors in public housing. Maybe a little deed of leadership there, too. Our resident leader who has been empowered as well, and we've watched them go from being rightfully nervous about even giving voice aloud to the problems that exist to now putting themselves forward to run for an elected position with the Housing Authority Governing Board. For our role, what we offered was consistent presence, research, skills, and follow-up. Thank you very much, Sarah Hasmer. Companionship, connection. That work is shared between multiple congregations, multiple members of the body, because we have need of one another to get this type of thing done. To love God, to love each other, to change the world, it takes the whole body showing up and offering the gifts that we have. There is much work left to do out there. There is more than enough synthetic division within the body and far too often violent anger toward one another. We do harm to ourselves and others when we forget our interconnected being through Christ. So put some cold water on the fires of tribalism. Remember we are one body. And remember then that God's grace has been freely given to each of us. Remember Christ's example and sacrifice for us. Remember a baptism by water and spirit, a spirit who pours out upon each of us gifts for service to support acts of love and mercy and justice. You, you, you are gifted for service. You are gifted to be connected. What exactly those gifts are can only be revealed as we show up to connect, to bear with one another in suffering, to celebrate with one another in joy. Someone will be lifted up because of you. So be gift givers. Share what God has given you. Share the love God has shown you. 
May it be so. Amen.